If you're always on the go like myself and don't have time to sit down and read, Audible.com is a great source to be able to catch up on the latest bestsellers. Listen to it while on the road or at the gym. Audible.com is a leading provider of premium digital audio information and entertainment on the internet. Audible content includes more than 180,000 audiobooks and spoken word audio products. Audible carries Audible books in every genre imaginable business, classics, history, self development, just to name a few. Audible is offering our listeners a free audiobook of your choice and a free 30 day trial membership. Just go to audible.com slash replay and choose from over 180,000 audio programs. Download a title for free and start listening. It's that easy. Currently, I am listening to the classic One Fish, Two Fish, Red Fish, Blue Fish. One Fish, Two Fish, Red Fish, Blue Fish, Black Fish, Blue Fish, Old Fish, New Fish. Okay, that's、This、genius. Go to audible.com slash replay. That's audible.com slash replay and get started today. Kevin, I want to say this is your first onstage interview with a journalist since you've had this job, but you say that's not true. Can we just pretend it is? Yeah. All right, good. So you, very exciting. You've had this job for two years. Yep. You were a surprise pick to Warren, Warren, run Warner Brothers. You had worked your way up the company. You were the guy who did DVD sales, which aren't sexy but make a lot of money.、Um, why why am I not sexy? Well, you are sexy.、Oh, okay. DVDs.、Um, why do you think you got the job? I think you'd have to ask Jeff. I mean,、uh, but I, I do think that、um, what. The changes that are happening in the industry are pretty traumatic. I mean, and, and I think the people that, that are speaking today, and I know Jason's going to talk after,、um, are pretty significant changes. And the DVD business was one that's undergone a significant amount of change and needs to continue to make. It was a huge、change. driver for, for Hollywood.、Uh-huh. Is, 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 is it, is it, the polite word is it's threatened now? Yeah, I think the whole model is threatened, right? I mean, and the, whole, the whole notion of owning. Movies and what are the benefits of owning movies, and I think the choices that consumers have, whether it be you know, renting, SVOD,、um, waiting, there, there's a significant, and, and short form content,、um, video games. There's a lot more choices that exist in the world today than there were five, ten years ago. So we'll talk about those choices, and, and you've got experience dealing with it on the distribution end. You've talked to Walmart and Apple and Amazon, so you've got a good grip on that. But what do you know about making movies, making television shows? I think that the, the, the job of any of these studios is actually to enable people to make great content. And the engine for all these companies, and Warner Brothers has a long history. And I heard Terry's here today,、um, starting with, with, with Terry and, and Bob, of making great television and movies. And you just want to enable great filmmakers like Clint Eastwood. I mean, look at American Sniper. He's been with the company for, I think, 40 years. Is that a movie you greenlit in, in your tenure? Was that already in motion? Yeah, we greenlit it in the last couple of years. It, it was really an interesting story because the movie was planned to be released this September. And we saw an early cut of it、um, last year because Clint had a movie in the summer. And we saw it in September、um, without music and without all the special effects. And we said, wow, this is amazing. Can you get it? And can we move this up into December with a limited release to qualify it、um, and, and get it into this window? And Clint was able to do it. You haven't seen a filmmaker with two movies released 
in the same year in a long time. So traditionally, Hollywood says, all right, we put our, our, our popcorn movies out in the summer, we put in our Oscar bait movies in the fall, anything we show in January and February you don't really want to see. This is a giant hit that you essentially released in, in January. Is that a signal to you that you guys have to rethink stuff as basic as when you put out movies? Yeah, but I, I think that the, that kind of notion of January and February, a graveyard is over. I mean, if you look at one It's of already my, done. Yeah, because I think that you're seeing that you could release a movie anytime during the year. Look at this past weekend with, with Fifty Shades of Grey. Look at last year in February, we released the Lego movie, which you would look at February and say that that's not a great window for a family movie. We did over $250 million. So is that a conscious decision on your part to say we are going to start changing the way we do that, or was that already happening before you got I think there? it was happening already. I mean, it's becoming a 12-month release you know, schedule that everybody's going out after, and I think the dating is a really important component of it. And then one thing I think everyone in this audience is interested in, I am, we've talked about it before, is why do I have to go to the movie theater to see it? Um, I get that there are windows. Um, and I get that you make a certain amount of money within a theater, but I'll pay you more money to watch American Sniper this weekend when I go home, but I don't want to go to see it in a the theater. Why won't you let me do that? Me, personally? I, th I don't know if it's a personal choice, but I think that as an industry, we support our, our exhibitors, obviously. I, there's a, there is a, a demand curve, I think, for seeing movies. And one would think, and I was actually talking to John Fithian earlier this week, or last week, that we haven't done a good enough job kind of capturing that value that consumers are willing to pay earlier, whether it be in theaters or at home or wherever. And I think we need to do a better job of kind of adapting to consumers and what they're telling us they want versus the model that we like. So I know why the theaters don't want me to watch American Sniper at home, and you have to do business with them, and that's what you're saying. But, it, but at some point, won't the consumers in increasing numbers just say, we're just not going to go see it at the theaters? I, I don't, I think the, the the theater experience itself is a pretty special one, and I think that there's, I mean, a rich guy like yourself may have a, a nice home theater. Oh, but, it's fantastic. But, I mean, you know, a, a lot of people don't, you got can't. two bean bags and a know, TV, can, it's awesome. You have an IMAX screen, so I've been over. So, but there's not a lot of people that have an IMAX screen. Unheated basement, you. it's really good. Um, but, but, <clears throat> but I would pay you a bunch of money to watch American Sniper at home, it's, it's my decision. It should be, shouldn't it be my decision to watch in my cold, unheated basement on my beanbag or go to a theater? Oh, look, I think that we have to make, we have to adapt to what people like you are saying, right? And I think that we have to figure out the right models because if we keep saying no to you, you will ultimately go to whatever version is available, which is the pirated version. Um, and I think that the model is of, of trying to force people into model that what, what works best and what has traditionally worked isn't going to continue because as I said earlier, the ownership model is one where I don't think we've done a good enough job convincing consumers why they need to continue to buy movies. Why do they need to continue to buy movies? Well, I think that there's, a, you, you look at all the categories, whether they be music, books, um, people like to collect. Um, yeah, I do. I think that they there's like still... like to collect some things, but most of us, especially, we've learned this with music, right? The, the music guys used to say, no, people really like holding CDs in their there's hands. There's still an ownership we've... model from, from music, no. even with all the subscription models. The, what at subscription service is making money? At the, well, Spotify now has a bunch of subscribers. They're right. happy not owning this stuff. 
making money is a different question. You're talking about a business model versus what people want to do. Well, you can only sustain a business model for so long. You can't continue losing forever. Right. So now, but now you're making a different argument. You're saying, well, we need to have ownership to sustain the business, which isn't a very sexy pitch for consumers. No. I, you want I to tell you. them there's a reason they should own it, and there well, really isn't. Look, I own a bunch of stuff, and it's all kids' movies because my kids watch it over and over and over. I'd like everything I'm only going to watch American Sniper once. My preference would be to get it for free. But right. I'll pay you more to watch American Sniper at home. No, with. but we were talking about the subscription model. The right. reason why I think that these some of the models may not be sustainable is ultimately things have to make money. Ultimately. And I think it has to work for the artist. It has to work for, for, for the provider of the service. And ultimately for the consumer. Consumers will buy, and they're continuing to buy music, movies, books. The people who are paying Spotify $10 a month are spending $120 a year. That's much more than they spent on CDs. Right. Shouldn't there be a way to, and the music industry will eventually figure out how to make that math work. Can't you guys make the math work where I can watch a movie that I really want to see and I'll pay you for on my own terms, on my own time? I think we have to figure it out, yeah. I mean, uh, ultimately, we have to. I mean, and, and um, I don't, I, but I do think that you would be surprised at even if we made it available, that there's that, that going to the movie theater on the big screen, and and it's a very social experience, and for teens is a way for to get out of your house, yep. um, is is going to continue for a long, long time. So we saw an example this winter, accidentally, of a time when you could, and it was pretty much the only way to watch a movie was to rent it at home or rent or buy. It's the interview in mm -hmm. December. A lot of people uh, consumed that movie at home. Most of them rented it. Um, what does that what does that signal anything to you that there were tens of millions of people willing to pay money to watch that movie at home? I think that was a pretty unique situation. Um, I, I don't think we need the interview to tell us that there's an opportunity to capture value there. The, the question is whether you know the benefit of that and in, in, you know of capturing that value is going to hurt that it, whether it adds it makes the pie bigger or ultimately smaller. I think that's the question. I think the fact that in a movie that had you know, a significant amount of publicity um, because of that unfortunate incident um, is not, I don't think, proof positive that the model works or doesn't work. Let's talk about the rest of the story around the interview. Um, one of the things that a lot of folks noted in the early days of the interview when they were initially getting hacked and then there were threats was that Sony seemed to be on its own. It didn't seem to have much support from the fellow studios, from the MPAA. Anything you guys were saying was pretty muted. Why, why weren't people standing up as fellow filmmakers and distributors on behalf of Sony? I think that it was, it, it all, I gotta tell you, it all happened so fast. Um, and I would say for, for myself, because I can't speak for the industry, we could have and should have done more um, for Michael and, and for Sony, um, but in, you know, you get caught up into, is this going to become whack-a-mole? Is this going to, you know, how do I say this in a way that's supportive and doesn't um, look like I'm trying to, to be self-serving? And when you, you know, when you get sometimes lawyers and, and people in the room and, and things don't happen. What did you want to do? What was your instinct? I think that your instinct, whenever you see, you know, there's five or six of us or whatever number you want to you say. I mean, it's not a zero-sum game in certain respects. And you want to see all of us in the industry healthy. And when you see one of your, your competitors and colleagues down, you want to help them up. One of my uh, colleagues, Don Shemleski, reported that studios generally were, were actually trying to use Sony's problems as, as a way to sort of, you know, take advantage of that. 
get their movies, uh, get more distribution for their, their stuff at the theater. They wanted Sony to be out of theatrical distribution. Were you part of that group? No, I don't think that's true. I, I think that's unfair. I, I, I don't think anybody, to my knowledge, tried to benefit from that situation. And then there was a lot of, uh, after the fact, folks saying, well, Sony had very bad security, and, and, and this was, they sort of brought this on themselves by having bad IT, and they didn't take this stuff seriously. I assume you guys went back and did an audit. How do you feel, how secure do you think you are for, uh, against an attack like this? First, I don't think that we, what we've seen or heard from anybody is that, that it was caused by lax security. Um, and on the contrary, what we've heard and seen is if someone is determined in spending the resources that it appears that was, was, was expended to try and get into Sony, just about anybody's vulnerable. And you're seeing it in many different industries and in big cases. I so mean, it could happen to you? Yes. And I think that the question isn't, can you prevent it from happening? I think from what we've seen, the key thing is, when it happens, what do you do and how do you react? And have you changed behaviors? Are you, are you, are you treating email differently? Are you treating archiving differently? Yeah, we're doing a number of different things to try and, and protect what happens when somebody and if somebody gets in. So if there is an accident, if there is an attack, you feel like you can make it less bad? We've all been attacked. I mean, at, at some level, every, all, all major companies in the U.S. And, and especially in our industry have been attacked. And what about the notion that this theoretically was provoked by the movie itself? Has that made you look at the sort of stuff you're doing and say, well, maybe that's going to upset a group or a bunch of people. Maybe we shouldn't do it. Well, I don't know about not do it, but it makes you question the security of your employees and what's going on. I mean, we, for instance, and this isn't a plug, but, but I think, what is it, the 18th? The date. I don't know. Something like that. February. 17th. Um, tonight we're, we're doing a premiere of um, American Sniper in Paris. And obviously, you know, given what happened there, we were very concerned about you know, the statement the movie makes and, and kind of how people would react to it and the security and safety of all our employees. It makes you question a lot of those kinds of things when you see kind of any of these situations or the violence that's happening around the world right now. So are there projects that you aren't going to make because of those fears or are you going to think twice and three or four times about? I'd like to think that we think, you know, twice or three times or four times about everything we do. Um, so is that now one of the factors that goes into this? Is this going to upset North Korea or someone in Afghanistan or Iraq? No, I don't think so. I think that I think the one thing that is that's constantly you know, going through our mind and, and is obviously how is this going to be perceived in the international marketplace? The the the, the world has become you know the, the the international piece of our business has grown significantly. And obviously, you have to take that into consideration when you greenlight a movie. Would you have made the interview? I don't know. Fair enough. Um, we spent a lot of time talking about Facebook uh, today and Snapchat and other distribution models. Um, up until now, the way Hollywood has used those platforms is really just for sort of promotion for their movies. Uh, you guys did an experiment with Facebook a few years ago. You could rent or stream The, the Dark Knight. Um, is that the way you see those platforms now, or do you think that changes? I think the platforms have the potential to be huge distribution platforms, marketing platforms, and, and uh, you know, a piece of the puzzle of the holy grail for us, which is how do we communicate directly to the consumer in a more efficient way? If you look at kind of the inefficiencies of marketing and distributing our films today, there's huge opportunities, and we just haven't been able to for, for my taste, 
kind of been able to, to crack that nut fast enough. We had Michael Linton on this stage a couple of years ago, and he said one of the things the internet had done is removed his ability to sort of hide a, a not good movie, that the internet decided within a day, if this, that night, if a movie was good or not, and you would know over the weekend, and you could tell via social media would accelerate that process. Um, and so in some ways it feels like it almost sort of hurt his business. Do you feel that that sort of undercuts your marketing? I think it goes both ways, right? American Sniper and movies like that, I mean, the word of mouth from the internet can work kind of both ways. But I do think that tools like Rotten Tomatoes and, and kind of the ability to be able to use these platforms to express your opinion on a movie has kind of changed dramatically. Traditionally, you guys would market a movie, you'd spend a ton of money on TV on Thursday night, um, then you started spending it on like Yahoo homepages as well. Are you moving some of that money over to Facebook and Twitter in that same time frame, or do you spend it differently, or, or is it still staying on TV and, and big portals? I, no, I think that it's definitely shifting. I mean, and you're gonna continue to see a shift, but also you're, you're beginning to see the, the traditional guys becoming much much better at targeting and helping you target a specific audience or behavior. I mean, I think I was talking to John Martin about it, or, and, and he, he mentioned it in New York um, during our earnings call. I mean, the traditional guys are also recognizing the need to be a, a lot more laser focused. Um, and I think you're gonna see a lot of that in the coming. So you guys make movies, mm -hmm. American Sniper. I haven't yet seen it, but I will, especially when it comes to really? the house. It's hard to get out. Wow. Um, you also make a ton of TV shows. Um, that ecosystem is changing a lot. You used to sell them to places like Turner and other mm -hmm. networks. And now you're selling repeats to Netflix and, and Amazon. You have big deals with both those guys. Um, there are some people who think one of the reasons that TV ratings have fallen off a cliff starting last summer is that the audience that used to watch stuff on TV is saying, well, you may as well watch it on Amazon or Netflix, the <clears> same <throat> stuff is there. They're arguing that you're now competing, a network like Turner is now competing with its own repeats that you sold to Netflix and Amazon. Do you think that's true? Well, I think that as I started this whole thing, that the choices that consumers have are significantly greater than existed five years ago. You can argue that, that what Jason is pointing out is competitive with broadcast television or, or with Turner or HBO. I mean, there's just a lot more choices and obviously some of the, the SVOD players that have come out have created yet even more choices for consumers and I think you can argue that some of the lines are blurring for, for, for consumers about what's over the top versus a traditional network. But you as a supplier, you've been, you've been helping build up Amazon and Netflix's business. You've been giving them, selling them your old show. It's very profitable for you. It's almost all profit when you sell them a repeat. Um, are you rethinking that? Are you thinking maybe we shouldn't sell them as much because it's gonna hurt us in the long run? We're constantly looking at this from a company perspective. And um, you know, we, we also have a fiduciary duty to maximize the profitability of our movies because uh, and television shows because while you say it's almost all profit, we have profit participants. Mm -hmm. And so there's, there's clearly a balance to it that we look at as far as what we're doing as it relates to the, 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 the customers. But look, we have, we have shows on, on Showtime and we also have shows on HBO. We have shows on all the broadcast networks and yet we own half of the CW. Are we helping competitors beat us? You can argue that, but you can also argue that the Big Bang Theory is the best place for the Big Bang Theory is on CBS with less. Right, um, but that, that didn't seem to be sort of uh, an existential problem for you. 
And for a long time, Jeff Bukas would say, well, Netflix is, you know, he used some derogatory term, Albanian army, and he would invent a different term. We're, and, 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 if, and if you want to buy our old repeats, fine, no big deal. We're, we're smarter than you are, is really what he was saying. Now it seems like they've got to a point where they've got, a, they've got real competitive options, again, in part due to you and the other networks and studios that are making it. Uh, do you think you guys might collectively pull back or, or one on your own pull back? Well, I don't think that we can collectively do anything. I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't from an legal. antitrust perspective, I mean, but I think that um, you know, everybody's looking at this and evaluating it on the drive over here, which took me three hours. I Thank you. I, I, I um, was listening to something Chase Carey was talking about. They're looking at this and, and, and the impact and, and what, how they're going to do it. I think everybody is evaluating this and looking at it, and everybody has a different suite of assets. Not everybody has HBO. Or, or the Turner Networks, and um, and everybody's going to be impacted on it differently, but but clearly um, the size of the budget, the audience, um, but television viewing overall, if you include everything, is up. I mean, you, you know, I don't think that, um, and one can argue that the exposure on some of these platforms, on, on some of these on-demand platforms that are off-linear, are actually helping the shows. Right. That's one of the arguments Netflix makes and the Aspod guys make. Um, but something, it does seem like something changed this summer. At first, people weren't willing to ascribe any reason to it. And now, if you go ask Nielsen, they say, yeah, no, we think that those eyeballs have gone from TV and they've gone to rival platforms. And that's a real change. And it's happened. And it's, it's a, now a done deal. I don't know about a done deal. But I do think that, and we're talking, we're focusing a lot on the US. SBOD is rolling out all over the world. I thought that was a globe, but it's not. Um, and, and it's early days of what's going on and people are reacting to it very differently in a lot of these markets. Um, and so, you know, I don't think one can say anything's a done deal. Uh, you guys have uh, tussled with Amazon like most people who sell things in yep. water over here. Mm -hmm. um, uh, what's your, your take on sort of their ambitions when it comes to distributing content and selling content? I think they've done a great job. I think I think Reed and Ted have done a great job, but Amazon has done one as well in building a big audience. Their model's slightly different, kind of bundling it w w with Amazon Prime, but um, I think they're going to continue to invest, and I think they're going to continue to build an audience. Um, and I think Hulu's doing a good job as well. And then what about Apple? Early on, it seemed like they were going to make a big push into to movies. It never really has, in TV, it hasn't really moved beyond them selling and renting stuff. I've reported that they're out now talking to studios again. Do you see them finally launching some subscription streaming service of their own? Well, I think that um, we'll see what happens in music, right? Um, and, and the subscription model, as you said, consumers are very, you know, like the model. Um, and they've done a great job of anticipating consumer kind of trends and, and delivering and giving consumers what they're looking for. So no, it wouldn't surprise me if they... Are you talking to them? Am I talking to them? To Apple about streaming? No. No. Um, I've got a bunch more questions for you, but I want to make sure we let the audience do it. So you want to bring the lights up, and we'll, we'll see if you've got questions for Kevin. Hi. Hi. Hi, Kevin. My name's Joe. I run a software company, but my alter ego is as a mother of two. And last February, I took my two kids to see the Lego movie. How many people here saw that movie? My kids thought it was the best movie they'd ever seen. 
They thought it was fantastic. And when we go to the theatre and we want entertainment, I left that movie skipping and singing that song, Everything is Awesome. We're all doing it. The whole movie theatre came out. It was fabulous. We saw Dragons, the Dragons 2 movie. We also saw Big Hero, and they were good movies. But the Lego movie, I thought, was fantastic, both for people who remembered a lot of the references in the movie and also for my two under 10-year-olds who, yep. who didn't know it, but they, the content of the movie was just so super. Now, the one thing that you said earlier on, I, I'm just wondering about, as I look at the Oscars coming up, huh. it should be there. It should have won the Globes, in my humble opinion, and it definitely should be there. Is the fact that it was released early, is that a problem? Because I think our attention spans are getting so short and so compressed Right. that by the time the voters sit down to watch the movies, um, they've probably already seen it, and they're now looking at maybe movies they haven't seen. And I do wonder if that is an issue and whether that's something you know, you're concerned about as you look at the release schedule. Um, well, I agree with you. I have, I have two kids also. Um, Did you think that was an Oscar movie when it came out? No. I mean, we, when we, no, when it came out, after we saw how it was critically reviewed, absolutely. I mean, I think it was 90... 7% Rotten Tomatoes. But you didn't put it out going, this is, this is our Oscar bait. No, I, yeah. but I think that we knew what we had. I mean, the movie tested extremely well, and people reacted the way you did um, on a global basis. And, and uh, whether the February release affected the awards, I don't, I, don't, I don't know, and I don't think so. I think that you know, voters, as, as a voter myself, were supposed to be blind to you know, when a movie was released. I, I'm not exactly sure why it didn't win. We, we hoped, and you know, and, and like you, kind of share your opinion, but that's just our opinion. Um, but I would surely hope not, because I think that you know, the, the whole process is supposed to be what are the best movies, not when was it released. Yeah. But you didn't Thank need you. an Oscar boost from that one anyway. You're good. Thank you. Appreciate that. Hey, Kevin. Um, I'm wondering, Time Warner has invested in a couple of different online video networks. Uh, and yet has not bought one while Disney and DreamWorks have. You know, why is it that you guys haven't wanted to, to buy any of the networks that are on the market, and would it be foolish to assume that you guys are going to absorb Machinima? I don't think anything. I mean, I, I, we're, we're big fans of Machinima. So um, you lent them money, which gives you the and then you have the option to buy them, I would assume, sooner than later. You can assume. Um, I, I think that the big thing is, is from, from our perspective, we haven't been able to figure out the right model and how, to, quite frankly, to, to make money from some, owning some of these networks at this point in time. But we clearly see the audience moving. We clearly see that that's where we have to go. So we have to build muscles on creating content. We need to build muscles in you know, the audience. You know, the, 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 the young male audience, and that's why we find Machinima so attractive, is very hard for us to reach um, for for our movies and television shows, and you know, and so it's clear that that demo is you know has, has kind of migrated, and we have to go with it. Do you need to own that audience, or is it just as long as you know how to get to them? Is that okay? I, I think the platforms we're, we're going to have to own some of these platforms, and 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 again, you know. Have a direct have a real direct relationship with that audience um, that we quite frankly haven't had um, because there's always been someone in between us and the audience um, and so I, I wouldn't look at what we've done or what we've 
know, what we bought or haven't bought as kind of indicative of the future. We know what we need to do um, and are constantly evaluating opportunities that come up. Did you get a chance to, to look at Maker when, when before that before Disney bought it? Time Warner owned a piece of yep. Maker. So did you have a chance to say, we'd like that instead of Disney? Time Warner owned a piece of Maker. Yes. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Hi there, uh, Joe Robinson with iHeartMedia. Um, you talked earlier about um, that people are still buying movies for their collections. And it dawned on me that there has to be some value proposition beyond portability that would encourage people to do that as we go in the future. Otherwise, you know, what's the point? It's available pretty much anywhere all the time where we are right now. I'm curious what you see as the, those, that value proposition today, and then what you look at, what, what you think the value proposition might be tomorrow for people to continue to buy films. Obviously, you want them to buy films much, much, much higher margins, right? Longer longevity in the, uh, in the family, et cetera. So I was curious how you look at that. Well, I think that people, for, for some things, they want to continue to watch them more than once. I mean, you mentioned kids' movies. That was where DVD started. Yep. I mean, if you think about the, the, the kind of transition from VHS to, to, to DVD, um, there's a whole bunch of things around the movies, whether it's a commentary about the movies from the director, um, the behind-the-scenes stuff, but also, in theory, we can add things to movies from a content perspective that you can't get in a linear viewing. And I think that we're gonna to have to do a better job of doing that, but I think the other thing that we have to do is take the guesswork out of buying movies. If you, if you buy a movie on the Apple, on the iOS platform, why does it not right. work on the Google so platform? So you've, you've been pushing this thing called Ultraviolet, which yep. is supposed to be a cloud blocker right. interchange system for years now. Um, most, I think everyone says that has not worked. Um, do you, do you, do you see that turning around? Well, we have 21 million people using it, so I don't know if it, that hasn't worked. I think that what we haven't done is gotten everybody on board. I mean, we, we definitely need In to In terms get, of studios, retailers? Well, we, we don't have all the studios. Disney's out by, by themselves, and we don't have all the major platforms. We, we haven't been able to, to pull in Apple and Google. Um, we're, we're moving Amazon in, but... Uh, you know, so that if you bought it on any one of those platforms, it works on everything, and, you, and, and you're not locked to a platform. So how, how far away are we from a time where I buy it once and I can play it anywhere I want? That's where we're going. That's yeah, the, how, how long? Well, I think Disney's figured it out and gotten it to work with those guys and being able to do that with their movies, and we're hopeful that we're going to be able to, to get that done this year as well. Okay, we'll, we'll check up on it. <laughs> yeah, thanks. thanks, Kevin. Thank you. Appreciate it.